0: difference. You know, John said earlier that uh, he and I have been friends for some time, for decades, really, and we don't mean that we've just known each other as covenant colleagues. We're really close friends. I mean, we share things about each other's lives that, uh, well, that could probably embarrass us if they we were. But we walk together pretty closely, and uh, we have often talked about, hey, we should come to a retreat, a pastor's retreat and do a seminar together and kind of have some fun and do some stuff together. We never did that, but we get to do this, so this is pretty exciting. We were both raised up at about the same time, I'm a little younger than John, but we were both raised (laughs) up. (laughs) With the idea, because we were both seriously mentored by Christians and pastors who were down the road from us, and we were both raised with the idea that outreach, Reaching out to people, the church looking in an outward direction is the essence of what Christianity is about. and what's What makes a church really matter and Christian life really significant. And outreach we were taught was about two things. It was about seeing hurting people get help and making sure that lost people get found. Hurting people helped and lost people found. In other words, helping people who have lost their footing get back on their feet and then helping them to find their way to move in a good and healthy direction i guess another way to put it is this i put it this way often that christianity is about way of life and source of life it's about way of life and that we help and serve people in need and source of life in the sense that we lead people to the one who offers them Real life, new life, abundant life, life the way God intended it to be lived. And that's seen throughout scriptures, those two things. If you were to go now and read scripture with that awareness, that reminder, you'd see it all over the place if you haven't already. But no place is more clear than the text that we've taken uh, together today in Acts chapter 3. Let me read the text Look for this in the text, because in the first part of the text, you have hurting people help the example of somebody is in need, we see their need, here we are, we've been aware of the fact that the world is kind of going on all around us, and it's a good thing that God put us here, and we see need, and then we respond to it. Now, Peter and John, this is Acts chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, we're going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer, and a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along. So there's an attempt to help. They're just carrying him along and dumping him off at this pool where he could bathe. They carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms those who were entering the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on them and said, Look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, Nazarene, rise up and walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up. And immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened and with a leap, he stood upright and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. Can you just imagine that? And my ankles worked, my feet worked. These guys helped me. <laughs> and they were taking note of him as being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate of the temple and beg alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So when he came along, They're aware of why they really existed in the first place. And as they were going along, they see someone with need, and they understand, oh, yeah, Christianity, following Christ is about a way of life. It's about outreach. It's about when we see a need, we do our best to meet the need, (coughs) respond to people in need. And then it goes on, the story, because not only is this outreach that we learned about, about helping making sure needy people get help, but it's also that lost people get found. In verse 11, while he was clinging to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them at the so called portal of Solomon, full of abasement. But when Peter saw this, he replied to the people, People of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Why do you gaze at us as if by our own power or our own piety we made this guy walk? That's not quite the way it puts it, but you know what I'm yeah. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. you. Put to death the prince of life, the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact of which we are witnesses. And on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man, whom you see and you know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. And so going beyond a simple but powerful act of helping somebody in need, Peter is also aware of the fact that there's a greater deeper need. Not only to be able to rise up and walk when you couldn't to rise up and live because this faith is about way of life but mm-hmm. source of life too. Finding new life in Christ. And John and I were together last week working on what in the world are we going to say? How are we going to approach this? Because our church here at Montecito Covenant is in this series called Making Life Matter from the Book of Acts. But I know that Ocean Hills is in a focus this year of reaching out the year of out uh, and John perked up when we were reading this together in our living room, right over here. And he says, "Wow! Did you see that? Verse twelve, right there. Did you see that?" Tell him about that.
1: Go ahead. Was so smooth, man. That was a smooth transition. Top that, dude. So, if you do have a Bible with you, verse twelve is what jumped out at me. Uh, and in the New Living Translation, in the NIV it says, when Peter saw this, he spoke up. And then in the New Living it says, and Peter saw his opportunity, and then he said, and I love that phrase, he saw his opportunity. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes. I wonder if uh, you've ever had this experience uh, in your life or even recently that you have a friend. Uh, in your life that you felt like if you met her you would love her if you knew him you would absolutely love him have you ever had that experience about a person where you wanted to introduce them to your family or friends because you felt if you really knew her or him you would love him well last week Sunday morning, one of the things we've been doing at Ocean Hills while, we, while we've been here in the afternoons, we challenged our staff to go visit another church on Sunday morning. Just go visit another church and see what they're doing and let God uh, minister to you. Be on the receiving end of church life. And so last Sunday was it last Sunday morning, uh, Casey, John, and I went out to a church out in Goleta and the pastor there, Jim Firth, Hope Community Church, He said something that just it landed in my heart. It spoke deeply to me. And this is what he said. I love this. He said, if you knew God, you would really love him. And then he said, and if you don't love God, it's because you don't really know him. Now just soak in that for a minute. If you knew him, at Ocean Hills, we talk a lot about he's bigger than you think, he's better than you think. If you knew the God of this book, like really knew who he was, what the Bible teaches about him, his character, his compassion, he's full of unfailing love, and he's a God of justice, of beauty, of mercy, that are mercies that are new every morning. If you knew this God, not the God that's imprinted in your mind, From your childhood that he's mad at you, he's full of wrath, he's going to get back at you because you crossed a line or you cheated on your third grade exam or whatever, (laughs) right? If you knew this God of grace that we've sung about this morning, you would love him. And if you don't love him, it's because you don't really know him. I wrote here in my notes, the God that people reject in our community is a God that you and I probably reject too. You know what I mean? You know, I don't believe, but what God don't you believe in? The God who's full of forgiveness and love and mercy and grace. And the God that our community, you know, they call them now nuns and nuns. Have you heard that? The nuns are, I don't believe in anything. I'm just kind of, you know, everything's cool and tolerance. And then the Duns are, I'm done. I put my time in as a kid. I got beat up by a church. I was burned out by the church, but I'm done. And, and our community, Santa Barbara region, is filled with people that would describe themselves as, when it comes to faith, none, nothing. I'm a nun, Or I'm a done. Did it. Done with it. I guess you, I'm guessing you know some people that are like that. And that's why I love to remind us that God is bigger and he's better than we think. If you think, if I think I've got God completely figured out, he's not God anymore. There is mystery that we embrace. You know, in the Bible, most people that met Jesus except those that were threatened by him most people loved him and a buddy of ours Gary Gadini, he sent this verse to me this week Mark 7:37 he said this is just to encourage you after Jesus had had just performed a miracle similar to the one we're going to talk about here in a moment in Acts 3 in Mark 7:37 Mark 7:37 listen to these words it says they were completely amazed and said again and again Everything he does is wonderful. Did you hear that? is what people think about Jesus in his day. They said again and again. what What were people saying about him? Again and again. And everything he does is wonderful. My question to you this morning, do you believe that? Is that your experience of Jesus, The fullness of God, Colossians says. Jesus is the, vi- the visible image of the invisible God. The book of Hebrews reminds us. Everything, everything, everything he does is wonderful. Some of you need just to hear that this morning. This is the God we want you to know, to experience. The God that is pursuing you and pursuing me. The God that we sing about who's full of grace and mercy and truth and justice. But here's here's, here's where it turns for us. The world that we live in is not Genesis 1, it's Genesis 3, it's a broken world. A world that's separated from this God who is wonderful and beautiful and bigger and better than we think. And so God is on a mission, if you read the Bible, God's on a mission of restoration. The restoration of all things, rebuilding a broken world and I was telling Art back there, I, I think for most followers of Christ, we've missed the we are sent out part of our Christian faith. That there is a word, it's, it's a real simple word called G-O, spell geo. Go. Go make disciples. Go into all the world. Go. You are sent. As the Father sent me, Jesus said, so send I say it. Yeah. you, 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 you. We are sent ones. And I think for so many of us, there, there's that part of our missional life that uh, is optional. It's the great suggestion. In Acts chapter 3, this passage that we're looking at, we find Peter and John helping a hurting, crippled person, as well as pointing the crowd to, he describes Jesus as the author of life, source of life. I love that phrase you used. So, Acts 3 verse 12, it says this, Peter saw his opportunity, and he spoke up. And he spoke up, he pointed people to Jesus. In Acts 8... Philip saw an opportunity and what did he do he asked a great question to the Ethiopian unit what are you reading in Acts 28 Paul saw an opportunity to pray for a sick, a sick man and he prayed for him and he was healed and here's the here's the big idea God gives us opportunities God gives us opportunities to speak up, to show up, to serve, to support people, to pray over people. God gives us opportunities when people are hurting, when they feel hopeless. And when when I was uh, having a conversation with a friend, he said, you know, people, whether they rise to the top or they hit rock bottom, Those those two extremes are when there's this opportunity of openness, this window of openness in a a person's life. We always think like in a community like this, oh, people have everything. But you know, people that have everything, they also realize, I have everything, and there's something missing. People ask me, I was just at the Covenant Midwinter in Chicago all week, and people say, oh, that must be so hard to a hard mission field in San barbara because people have everything that's kind of the connection i say actually people that have everything deep in their hearts they know that is not filling that emptiness that void that there's there's a longing a searching a desire for something more am i right right and so jesus becomes good news and you, as the people of God, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, your life, your day, your week, your faith. Mondays matter. It's not, a, it's not a Sunday faith. Opportunities for you to impact and influence others happen every single day. And I've shared this story before, but some of you know I, I, I have, a, I, some people call it a side hustle. But I do weddings. And you know what? You know what I get asked all the time? You don't seem like a minister. How did you become a minister? I get asked that all the time. That's an opportunity. I could say, oh, I went to Fuller Seminary. That's how I became a minister. They'd be like, oh, okay. But you know what what I've done is I've taken an opportunity to say, you know, I didn't grow up in a church family. I didn't grow up. Religious. I didn't grow up as a person of faith. And they're like, you didn't? Like most people think if you're a minister, you grew up in a Christian home. You were raised this way. I wasn't raised this way. Well, how, how did you, then, then it begs the question, how did you? And the opportunity there to share my story, to point to Christ, just like Peter and John were pointing to Christ, just like you have a story as well. And so i want to have you think this morning about your life in a different way think of yourself as an ambassador as a light as a person that is sent that is called to go and every day there are opportunities right in front of you and right in front of me in your own house in your neighborhood in your workplace when people move into your neighborhood or move into the cubicle next to you right? Uh, you have an opportunity to be a person of influence, to serve somebody, support someone, be a good listener, love well, and then point to Christ. Now, people at Ocean Hills know this, but I have never argued anybody into believing in Christ. Maybe Greg Spencer, you're, you're the persuasive dude, man. Maybe you 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 have the art, But I have never argued. It doesn't work that way. You know, Renee Schlepfer, he's a pastor up in the Bay Area, he says, when you're abrasive, you're never persuasive. And so what I'm talking about this morning isn't, all right, go out to the street corner and just punch people in the face with Jesus. That's not what we're talking about here. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about looking, becoming aware of the opportunities right in front of you to serve people, to listen well, to love well, to support, but also to share your story. That Christ is the one who makes the difference. I would be a different person if Christ was not at home living in me and through me. Would you? Would you? Would you? And then we can point to that. Let me close with with this. John Nothelfer uh, was my first pastor. He actually now is living at the Samarkand. Uh, We called him the German Shepherd. (laughs) (laughs) that's what we call John uh, the German Shepherd but John when I was in college uh, he taught me a a dangerous prayer that he prays every day and I pray every day Lord I make myself available to you today bring the person or the people into my life that need you Most Lord, I make myself available to you today. Bring the person or the people into my life that need you the most. And that's how I want to end this. I want to invite you to pray that dangerous prayer every day this week, every day this week, because you know what it does? It gives you a spiritual sensitivity. It raises the spiritual temperature of your heart that now you're on mission you're saying to the spirit of god i'm available and now you're looking when you walk into your office who needs encouragement who needs a little bit more attention who needs you to bring them a cup of coffee when you walk in your house who in your household who in your home your kids your spouse your brother your sister your roommates Who needs a touch? Who needs a word of encouragement? Who needs you to pray for them? Your antenna's up when you pray that dangerous prayer. So stand with me. If you're willing, as we're standing, to pray that prayer every day this week, just put your hand on your heart. You don't want to, I get it. That's okay, no judgment. But if you're saying, this week I'm gonna be on mission, I'm gonna pray, and then the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna trust that God is actually gonna bring people across my path. And I am available to pray, serve, support, love, share, speak up, whatever that might be. So let's pray this prayer together. Lord, I make myself available to you. Bring the people, bring the person into my life today, this week, that need you the most. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
0: We thought long and hard about whether we should receive communion together. And we started thinking that in terms of the pragmatic challenges of it. But we. Quickly got off of that and realized how in the world can two congregations that are part of the same church but come together and worship together and then not practice that sacrament that speaks okay. so much of unity and how we one in Christ. I was thinking while you were speaking, John, of how well. The apostles, as they're moving, and see that person that needs to be able to walk, and then seeing a lot of people that need to find their way and to be led to the answer in life, really represent the journey that Jesus went on. And that's what we see today. really see many things, but one of them is the expression of God saying, I believe that hurting people need to be helped, and lost people need to be found, and so I came and I gave myself and we're going to celebrate that in these elements. It's going to be messy, just like faith. We're gonna have, we have stations around the room, five stations, including the one upstairs in the balcony, where when you are released to do so, and the musicians come and they are playing some worship songs, worshiping together, you're gonna take it upon yourself to move to one of those stations that are spread around the room and serve communion to each other. You might come as husband and wife and in serving communion, or you might be saying, let's forget the argument we had this morning. Let's let that be in the past. And honey, may I offer you the body of Christ and the blood of Christ. And if so do it, I'm saying to you, I'm sorry. This is a new start for us today. Hey, you're the first person that I had an opportunity to actually mm-hmm. serve. You might come as uh, friends, serve each other. The bread, and the juice, you'll take it, you'll rip it, you'll, it's in an intention, you'll dip it, and then eat it. Or maybe you even want to come by yourself, purposefully come and experience this sacrament in a way that reminds you of who it was that initiated this. And there will be a sense in the aloneness at the table that you're not alone and that as you reach and take the bread and dip it, it's Jesus serving you. And when you eat it, when you drink, you eat that blood the body, you're saying, I choose you today, I chose you yesterday, and I'm gonna be choosing you tomorrow. Or maybe there's someone in the room for whom this celebration of communion will be your first legitimate celebration as a believer in Christ because when you take the bread and dip it and eat it, like my son-in-law did when he became a Christian on that day at communion at Marin Covenant Church, thankfully before he married my daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Stood there with bread in one hand and juice in the other having seen that many, many times as he was seeking Christ and coming and worshiping. And he said on that day with all the craziness going on all around, okay, God, I think I believe in you. But I need this to be more than just a practice. I'm going to eat this and then I'm going to drink this. And when I do it, I'm giving myself to you. And he ate the bread and drank the cup. And that was him saying, I'm in, I'm yours, live in me. Whatever, come and receive the elements and see the craziness of it as part of the beauty of it. I want to remind you too that at each of these stations, two things, at each of these stations, uh, there is is a, a, a white plate with a a different kind of bread, that's gluten-free bread. So when you see the white plate, if you need gluten-free, take advantage of that. If you're unable to get up for whatever reason and get to one of the stations, if you raise your hand high, we have uh, two teams of people who are gonna be wandering, looking for people with their hands raised high, raised high like a fair catch (laughs) signal. And they'll do their best to bring those to you and the gluten-free is a little different sliced bread on uh, that plate. We have prayer stations, teams from Ocean Hills are gonna be sort of back in the corners here. If you feel like, man, I wanna pray with somebody or I have a question or I want somebody to pray over me or over somebody I'm representing here today, then in all of the business, make your way to one of those corners and seek out one of those folks. And they've been vetted and they're gonna carefully pray for you with sensitivity. Did Did I miss? There you got it, perfect. Remember that on the night Jesus was betrayed, he took up the loaf. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. From now on, whenever you partake of this loaf, remember me, experience me. And
1: in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood—it's for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink in remembrance of me. We often remind ourselves that uh, who was around that table that night, in which Jesus was betrayed, wasn't a, a perfect group of followers. They were. Messy, as you keep reminding us, this experience is messy. And the people around the table, just as the people in the pews this morning are messy, Peter was there who would later doubt Jesus, deny him actually, right? He denied him. Jesus knew that about Peter and he still served him. Thomas would doubt him. Jesus knew that and he still served him. And Judas was around that table too. Talk about radical grace. And Jesus still served him the bread and the cup for the forgiveness of sins. That's why I love that line. If you knew this God who loves you so much that he died, you would love him. If you knew the truth of who this God is, what he's about, his character, you will love him. Maybe today's the beginning of that journey for you to lean in to say, I want to know. I want to know this God. I want to love this God. He came and He lived and then He died for us so that we might go and live for Him and experience life in its fullness.
0: For those of you who feel like And kind of like to have a little quiet moment kneeling and praying. We have kneelers up here for those with hardier knees. We have the stairs. uh, And remember, prayer stations back in the corners. And now may the Lord meet you at the table. Whenever you're ready, stand up, move to one of the stations, and be blessed. Before you re-enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the watch and listen page on oceanhills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.